Hello and welcome to the second series of Beyond the Balance Sheet, a podcast brought to you by Quilter Financial Planning. We're here to lift the lid on the world of financial advice, providing insight for those already in the industry and anyone thinking of a new career. I'm Hannah Vaughan-Jones. Join me in this second series as we address common misconceptions head on, gather advice from both practicing advisors and external experts, speak with those who have overcome hurdles and hear from people with inspiring stories, people from all walks of life. In today's episode, we're focusing on the issue of diversity and inclusion in the workplace and ask whether employers are seeing the benefits of a diverse workforce, especially in the world of financial advice. Joining me for this episode to discuss everything, I have Darren Miller, who's co-founder of the Black Business Institute, Annabelle Lumsden and Tanya Ellsworth, who are co-directors at TP Financial Solutions, and Andy Lee, financial advisor at Univigil. Welcome to all of you. Hi, it's great to be here. Hi, Hannah. Thanks for having us. Hi, thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. Okay, well, lovely to have you all with me. Tanya, um, let me start with you then. Um, You and Annabelle are co-directors of a financial advice firm. What is it that you think you offer that's, that's different or diverse? Well, first of all, Annabelle and I are married. Um, and also we are women within the industry. Um, I don't think necessarily it's those things that make us really good at our jobs. Um, I think it's our, our backgrounds and our stories as to where we've been and our personal life experiences that um, that make us good at what we're doing. And I think the differences between Annabelle and I um, offer something unique for our clients because there's there's different perspectives from the, the different diverse backgrounds that, that we've got. Myself in particular, I'm from quite a, well, a very working class background. And I think that enables me to empathise with, with people with different situations. So I think our strength doesn't just come from our similarities, it comes from our differences as well. And Annabelle, then, what's been your experience of diversity and inclusion or a lack thereof um, within the financial advice industry? It's a really interesting one. So I started um, in financial services 15 years ago um, this year. um, And I'd love to say that it was now 50-50 in the room between males and females um, and that, you know, things were improving. And they definitely are. um, But I think there's a, a huge journey to go on um i think it it remains that this industry particularly from an advice perspective is hugely dominated by men um it very much tends to be white heterosexual or openly heterosexual men um and i think you know it does lead to certain um sort of very similar strains of ideas um you know there's a certainly a, a very defined culture which can sometimes feel that it's not particularly inclusive to people that don't fit that mould. And I think whilst it is changing, it takes a lot of confidence to walk into a room like that where you are in the minority and share experiences and and be openly different to what that, that mould actually is um, and be listened to. And speaking about an industry being dominated by men, let's let's go to the men then and include them in this conversation. And um, Andy, like, I want to come to you because you were nodding away as as Annabelle and Tanya were talking. Then, do do you think that progress has been made in the industry? And what's your experience over the last five ten years of of efforts with diversity and inclusion? I don't have as much experience as uh, the other guests, and it's it's, it's wonderful to hear um, you know what they've experienced. Um, I think for me. 
I could definitely see there are you know progress being made, although it's quite slow, and I think it's quite a difficult area to almost challenge and change. Um, but there are definitely progress, and um, I see there are, although maybe not represented as well as we want, but there are definitely more women who are financial advisors um, from from my experience compared to maybe five, ten, fifteen years ago. Um, but I do see there's still a lack of ethnic financial advisors or even support staff. So interestingly, um, so I'm based in Edinburgh, um, and. I had a quick look at the 10, maybe 10 firms I could find on Google and there weren't one financial advisor that maybe looks similar to myself or, or ethnic. So that's quite an interesting um, thing to see when it's 2022. Very, very interesting. Um, so Darren then, I mean, tell us a little bit about your experience. I mean, you, you are the co-founder of the Black Business Institute. We've heard some stereotypes already, the kind of like the classic white male being the financial advisor that, that often many people think of when they think of the industry. What are the other stereotypes that need to be overcome? And why do you think that this industry in particular has, has struggled? Yes, you're quite right. The story we're talking about here in this particular sector, unfortunately, is true of so many other sectors as well. It's the uh, same situation in, in architecture, it's um, a very similar situation in construction. And I can share with you that in a recent report that came out in February 2021, in the FTSE 100, there are no black executives in the top three roles. Zero. Um, we're talking about no, uh, we're talking about the chairman, the CEO, the CFO in the UK's 100 top companies, no black representation at all. And you're talking about racial diversity, I, I, I'm assuming there. I'm talking about racial diversity. And gender diversity as well, would it be when it comes to, say, architecture and construction? Again, my comments were about racial diversity. I mean, the um, BBI was really set up in 2020, soon after the barbaric killing of George Floyd. And, um, you know, it's, it's there to really challenge some of those social injustices linked to racial diversity issues so my the way we come at this this subject matter is from a perspective looking at black representation and obviously i mean racial diversity is important just because it's the right thing to have it's it's just the right thing to do which most people i think across the board would would hopefully accept now but presumably there's a there's a financial imperative as well that businesses do better when they have a more racially diverse or just diverse and inclusive workforce as well in place so what would be your argument to people coming to to you Darren saying why should i employ or seek to to to, to recruit more people from a diverse background well, it's perhaps not commonly known, but the UK's black population alone spends 300 billion every year. And there's another 24 billion sitting there waiting to be spent if the consumer's incentivized. And, and so um, you can imagine as a, as a black person, if, you, if one goes to a business and you can see representation, um, that will have, you know, you'll, you'll see more affinity or experience more affinity that will lead to loyalty and that loyalty will effectively or ultimately lead um, to becoming a consumer. So it makes really, really good business sense and it means it's possible to tap in to um, part of the consumer market, which has perhaps been overlooked. 
And Annabelle, then your thoughts on that, I mean, in terms of diversity, not racial diversity, but gender diversity as well, and um, sexual orientation, what would be your argument to, to, to potential clients or recruiters as well who are saying, you know, we're, we're thinking about uh, recruiting from a wider pool, but we're not quite sure how it could benefit us? I think it's, it's you know, very similar to what Darren said. If, if people don't feel that they're represented, um, then they're not going to feel comfortable using that service. So if we're not representing you know, gender, you know, diversity, sexual orientation, whatever it might be, um, then we're essentially making it far more difficult for those consumers, clients to actually access the service, because particularly within financial services, where it's something where people need to feel comfortable, they need to feel like they can trust that person and have some common, you know, common ground with them to be able to have an open conversation. If they don't feel represented, then they're not going to approach you if they don't see anything of themselves reflected in that advisor they're not going to pick up the phone and choose you um so like you said Andy you know if someone's looking for you know who you know is from a similar background to you is looking for a financial advisor guaranteed they're going to skip past the 10 that don't look like them and are going to be more interested to speak to you so if you've got a diverse workforce and then you're going to appeal to a, a greater sort of pool of clients and then from your business point of view you're open to everything and you know you can have those conversations and from a you know a business growth point of view you've got a far bigger pool to to go at and then the consumer is also getting a good service so it's sort of a a win-win I don't know why people would would be apprehensive about it because it just seems so obvious but perhaps it's because we're coming from that different mindset but I, I completely agree that it you know you need to kind of open yourself open the doors and then you will then open yourself to a, a much wider pool of potential clients. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only explanation is a kind of like old habits die hard approach. And, and it's just the traditions of, um, you know, then the history of, of of the sector as well. Andy, have you experienced that firsthand that you can say that you've managed to um, more easily recruit people who, who look like you or are similar to you in some way? Um, I think I've been quite lucky um, in terms of I didn't really think that, you know, diversity and, and, and being kind of racially different was was a challenge um you know i've, I've been really lucky where uh, with individuals so it was, it was my first uh, financial uh, plan job in, in the sector and you know throughout the whole ass- assessment and interview i felt really inclusive and it was until maybe i got a bit more experience in this industry i noticed there's you know, you know people like myself are not represented as as well as i thought and one thing that we've done really well over our individual is um, we've kind of changed the way we recruit people and changed the language that we use in our job description. And I had a conversation with uh, my marketing director and Sherry Ann about this because I know she's been doing a lot of uh, research on the science behind it with her team. And things like when you look at job descriptions, um, female would look at it and if they see maybe there are only 50% of the things they could do, they might be hesitant on applying for the job. Whereas for, for men, um, they see 50% and they say, well, I could do 50% and I'll get a training for it later on. And, you know, even small things like that changing the job description could have a, a massive impact. And um, I think if, if we are able to allow more people from a different background, different personalities, different gender to help with the recruitment processes, I think that would do a lot of wonders as well. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the, the, that male-female split when looking at job applications, I mean, it's, it's obviously a huge generalisation, but it's, somehow it, it still keeps coming up the same over and over and over again with all the reports that come through. Tani, you touched on earlier about the fact that you, you said you come from a working-class background as well. That socioeconomic background, um, or difference rather, has that been helpful for you in your business going forward, being able to reach out to people? Because everyone needs financial advice, no matter what their, their economic setup is. Absolutely. I think it's imperative. Um, everybody needs financial advice. I think it has been. And certainly in our experience of working in the industry, it can feel elitist. It can feel um, off-putting um, for certain people. It looks, you know, it's navy blue and gold. Um you know, it's it's attractive to to the wealthy, I would say. Um, whereas actually, everybody needs financial advice. Um, everybody needs to feel like there is somebody that they can speak to, who they can relate to. I think a lot of the diversity and inclusion in this industry actually comes from values. Um, you know, I would urge any financial advisor to represent their true selves in whatever they're doing, not not to try and fit to a norm of what a financial advisor looks like because ultimately people will want to work with you who match your value set um, and then you end up working with the clients that you know you like you enjoy working with them and they enjoy working with you it's those values that attract everybody together and I think especially coming from a working class background that does instill certain values about community and working together and inclusion and and being strong as a team Um, and naturally therefore we we attract clients with those values as well and you know we all know of course that that to implement real change that has to start with education as well so I'm, I'm wondering what all of your experiences might have been either when you were still at school for yourself personally and the kind of opportunities that were presented to you and also Darren let me come to you at first to answer on this I mean what do do, do you at the Black Business Institute do in terms if anything at all in terms of trying to reach teenagers and people who are you know, starting their adulthood and considering what their options might be going into business, you know, or into a professional life um, after school? I mean, it's a really good question. One of the things that we recognise, and I think you've touched upon it, and um, the other uh, contributors have also touched upon this, is the importance of network. And often that comes from schooling and education, you know, higher education as well. Unfortunately, when it comes to the black community, predominantly based in central London, other big cities, going to comprehensive schools. Um, it's uh, lots of empirical evidence out there that proves um, they don't get the best academic results. And unfortunately, that, that follows through. Without getting, enjoying higher education, the best universities, uh, some of those high-paying high jobs are not available. And moreover, it's not just the uh, academic qualifications. It's not having the rich networks, the contacts, um, you know, your father's friend or your mother's friend in an industry um, where you can get that internship and that internship leads to a permanent position. So um, one of the things we try to do at BBI, we've got this initiative. Um, well, BBI has a charity um, and um, we have got a fully fledged charity called Black British Initiative. And that charity has a a project called BBI 100, 
And what we're trying to do is to get 100 um, high-achieving black um, uh, applicant students, if you like, into some of the best um, uh, educational establishments, knowing that if they are successful in those establishments, they will start to make a connection with those very important networks and that will lead to, um, you know, to, to high-paying jobs in the future and successful careers. So that's kind of how we're addressing it through a scheme called BBI 100. Well, fantastic scheme and very worthwhile, of course. So I'm wondering about for financial advice individuals or consultants or companies who are listening to this podcast now, what are the are there are there practical active steps that they can take in order to be more diverse and inclusive, and um, in order to recruit from different kind of racial backgrounds and the like? Darren, you you wanted to add to that. A BBI has a charter, and um, and it's there are five key points to the charter. But responding to your question, um, one of those points in satisfying the charter and getting the, the benefits of the BBI butterfly kite mark is rejecting non-diverse applicant lists. So you, if you have an applicant list made up of people that come from the usual source, um, where it's easy and comfortable because you know them and you can relate to their background, unfortunately, those lists lack diversity. So what we're saying to employers is that going forward, it's really important to move away from that easy solution and encourage diversity. And, and it's been proven time and time again, um, uh, cognitively diverse employees, employees from different backgrounds, help with uh, problem, uh, problem solving, but also drive profitability. And that's been proven with lots and lots of reports like McKinsey and co. So uh, that's, that's how we deal with it by implementing this charter. And Annabelle, then, what are the other attributes other than maybe being good at maths or something like that? Or what are the other attributes that, that employers should be looking to recruit in potential employees um, that mean that they would also be then potentially diving into a more diverse and inclusive pool? I think there's a, a couple of points around this, really. Um, I think following on from what Darren said about, you know, how to recruit, and I think Andy touched on it as well about how you design a, a you know, a job advert. That, that sort of one thing. Um, I think it's looking at making sure that people understand, young people in particular, understand that it is a career path that is actually suitable for them. And I think the problem comes that I was in a school just before the summer holidays speaking to all of the year 10 cohort. So they these were sort of 14, 15 year olds, and not a single one of them thought that anything in financial services was even on their radar and you would think at least one from a, a couple of hundred students would have at least said yeah potentially I'm interested they didn't even think it was something that they could do so it, even with these you know children they're thinking that they have to be good at maths they have to have a university degree they have to be serious they have to wear a suit um, and right to the extreme they have to be a middle-aged white man um, who's wealthy and if that's what you ultimately think you have to be in order to be you know even applying for a job in financial services, there's a huge big problem and something's got to be done about it. So I think it's very, you know, it's clear to us that we need to actually go in and say, look, we are here speaking to you. We run our own financial advice business. We are, you know, young women, you know, we're in a same-sex marriage. We've got two children. Um, we're doing this job that the that these, you know, 
stereotypical financial advisors are doing to the same level of qualification. So I think if we can firstly explain to people and encourage these young people to understand that you don't have to be great at maths, um, you don't have to have a university degree and you don't have to be that stereotype in order to enter this profession. And we're not talking about being administrators, you know, we're talking about being advisors, being, you know, board level for, you know, financial advice firms, whatever it is, you don't have to be that stereotype. So that's the first thing. And then I think it's understanding what the job actually is these days. And it perhaps has always been this way. But I think certainly nowadays, what our clients are really coming to us for is peace of mind. It's a conversation, it's an ally, it's somebody where they can share with us that they're terrified, that they're worried, that, you know, they don't know, you know, what the future actually looks like, which is terrifying for them. And to know that that person is not going to judge them, not going to judge them for prior decision making, and are going to help them. Um, and that isn't about numbers. That's not about maths. They're not coming in saying, right, I want 6% performance a year, and I want to have, you know, this amount of money. It, it's not about that. It's about empathy and care and understanding and genuine interest in human beings um, and all that technical stuff in the background you sit the exams for that and you've got the technical support for that but day to day it's just human contact um, so it's a totally for me it's a totally different kettle of fish to potentially what it was 15 years ago and certainly what traditionally it looks like that navy and gold stereotype it's just it's it's out of date um, and but it, I mean, we need to start at the very, very beginning telling people that you can do it. Well, you've done a brilliant job in terms of recruitment there <laughs> and um, trying to bring the next generation bring the <laughs> next generation on board in a far more diverse and inclusive, inclusive way. But let me just um, finally ask all of you really for your kind of top tips, your golden nuggets of, of, of advice, not just for young people, but more let's focus on companies, existing financial advice companies, if they want to try and we've already spoken about the financial benefits for them of the profitability of having a more diverse workforce. So what should they do in order to to try and improve their current uh, staff list at the moment? Um, and let me come, Andy, let's come to you first. Going back to the, the, the topic a little bit, because I think it's, it's, it's almost, almost like an onion. There's a lot of layers to this. Um, and, you know, what Annabelle said was amazing. Well, really well put. But I, I also think for someone like myself, um, I didn't know what financial advice was until I started working. And that I think that is mainly because my parents didn't use a financial advisor. And my family and friends didn't use a financial advisor because it, it's not something that a Chinese community would look at um, because they don't have access to it, whether it's because of um, uh, uh, money, whether it's because uh, they can't find anyone that they could trust, which is quite funny because you see that they use a lot of accountants and solicitors, but never financial advisors. And it could be even something, you know, for the Chinese community, they love investing in property. But and that's all they focus on. But they might not have the education to, you know, there are other things to achieve your objectives. And they just need someone that almost they feel that could represent them to discuss those points with them. So so I just want to touch base on that. And, you know, it, 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 there's a, a lot of layers. But um, in terms of how to start, I think, first of all, we need to start looking at how we um, try to change our image, whether it's, it's silly things as, you know, changing the, the wording on our website. Because the first thing that people are going to look at when they're looking for a job is they're going to go to the 
um, our Teams page and see how many people look like me who could represent me in, in, in that business. And if I went onto a website looking for a job and the first person I saw was um, a middle-aged uh, white male and all their power planners are either similar or, you know, that has no ethnic or gender diversity, I might not want to, you know, go into that industry. Um, and once we get to that point, I think it's, it's about kind of keeping the people who are from different backgrounds and allowing them to almost bring out a message or, or lead the next generation of um, ethnic or uh, gender different people and try to build a community that way because it's going to be a long pro, pro, process, but I think we, we could get there because as we know, the, you know, the next five, 10 years as technology starts to creep up at us and more and more people are doing DIY investments, it's all about the personal touch and the empathy and how to get in touch with these people deeply rather than just about 6% investment performances. Really good advice there. And thank you for the the onion explanation as well, the analogy of that, because you're, you're right. It seems to me like there needs to be a kind of an, a wholesale rebranding of the industry because a lot of people won't even know the difference between, say, an accountant and a financial advisor. And if they don't think they need an accountant, then they'll just assume they also don't need a financial advisor as well. Um, but Tanya, let me come to you on this um, the, 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 the top tips, the best advice you could give a company looking to become more diverse with its workforce. My top tip would be be yourself. Um, I think where a lot of companies are going wrong is they're portraying themselves as a stereotypical financial advisor. All the all the marketing material is in suits. There's pictures of people playing golf. You know all that normal financial advice stuff that puts people off. I think it's that realization. I don't know if we've got any golfers here. Have we got yeah. any golfers? <laughs> No, 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 across the board, no golfers, good. <laughs> it ruins a good walk, Hannah. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's that case of what they don't realise by doing that is you're actually actively excluding a heck of a lot of people. You're saying, you know, these are the clients that I want, the, the golf players that go to work in a suit. That's not what the world is like anymore. Um, so uh, my top tip would be be yourself. You know, if you like taking your dog for a walk, use those images on your website if you like playing with your kids on the beach use those images what what you're going to end up doing is then attracting people who are like you and you're going to be you're going to actively exclude less people by doing that you know we we can't change the color of our skin we can't change our sexuality but we can be our authentic selves and i think what a lot of financial advice companies do is go into the mold of a picture of them with a graph or a calculator and think that that's going to attract the right business uh, and <laughs> it's 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 just not the case there's not one picture of um a calculator or a pie chart on our website and you know we get really nice clients <laughs> delighted to hear it and and brilliant advice there about authenticity and, and relatability as well and um, Darren your top tips please sure if employers are really serious about um, uh, taking on or, or building a diverse workforce it really is about where they advertise a position um, I've seen lots of situations where somebody will advertise in the financial times and if you advertise in the Financial Times, which is obviously a great newspaper, but it's only read by a certain type of person. So one has to think about you know, if, if, if you're trying to court a diverse workforce, 
where will you find them? You go look at the publications they read or um, the radio stations they listen to. And I think that's the way, if, if these companies are serious about diversifying their workforce, bringing in people from different ethnic backgrounds and different gender backgrounds, then they have to consider carefully where they place advertisements. So that's my top tip. Okay, brilliant. Um, Annabelle, I don't know if we got your top tips. We didn't, but I'll give you one and hopefully it'll be a good one. (laughs) I think for me, it's about looking at the change of what people actually are looking for from work. Um, I I don't know whether it was highlighted by the pandemic, but people are are looking for different things now, I think. Um, They want that flexibility. They want values-based. They want to go to work and feel like they're having an impact. Um, I think the days are gone where it was all about the package. It was about, you know, the, the remuneration and the pension and the all of that's still important. But I think far more if we can attract people based on values, like Tanya had said before, if we're looking at making sure that we're being open, we're going to care for these people and that they're going to feel that when they're applying for jobs, then we will get different people applying for these jobs. So if they know what the industry is, they know what that job actually entails um, and that they understand that, you know, it's not all about the salary and the benefits package. It's actually about mental health. It's about care. It's about family flexibility. It's about acknowledging you and your background whether it's different you know we live in a you know a society where we celebrate Christmas and Easter but if we're employing somebody that doesn't have that background it's appreciating that maybe you know Ramadan is really important you've got to make sure that you're open to that and explicitly open to it and then people will feel that they can apply for those jobs and then naturally we'll get a more diverse workforce and I think in financial services it's yeah really needs to be accelerated um, and yeah it'd be good to see that. Well, that's such fantastic advice from all of you. And thank you so, so much um, to, to Darren, to, to Annabelle, Tanya and to Andy as well for all of your contributions on this um, this episode of the podcast. That is all we've got time for today. Thank you all for joining us today for Beyond the Balance Sheet. It's brought to you by Quilter Financial Planning. You can find us at www.quilter.com or our advisor school is at www.careers.quilter.com. Also, please do subscribe to this podcast through your preferred platform. I'm Hannah Vaughan-Jones and thank you so much for joining our conversation.